Hello there, transportation-loving friends. It is we, Jason of Joseph, here once again. I am Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luper. I'm Denver 7 pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. Jason, a lot of business out on those streets this 4th of July weekend. Yes, there is. Uh, you know, and it is uh, interesting to see how much traffic there actually is. Because usually, in years past, before, you know, the all the people moved here to Denver, a day like this, a Wednesday after the holiday, would be basically a ghost town. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would still be a holiday week. We would still have very light traffic around town. But we don't have that kind of a, a economy anymore around here. It's a very service-based economy. A lot of tech guys working downtown. And, well, we have a lot of traffic. It's true. Absolutely the truth. It is definitely surprising to see how many people are still around. And it sounded, honestly, I thought I was in a war zone. Somebody from my neighborhood last night, about 9.15, uh, they must have gone up to Wyoming and got some of those really good fireworks because it, it sounded like my house was going to blow up. Well, there you go. I'm told that there were fireworks being set off, illegal fireworks, in the parking lot of the Denver Police Union. So bravo, boys <laughs> in blue. Um, there was one time when I was a teenager that we bought the like big jumbo fireworks that set off like 150 bang bangs in a span of like 60 seconds. And so we set it off in my friend's backyard, went to the porch, started to watch it going off it tilted straight towards us and started firing fireworks at us we had to like run into the house and talk about a war zone we were all scared for our lives it reminds me when i was in high school and a bunch of buddies of mine we had a uh, a boat and we were camping out on this island up in uh, lake lanier and we had some bottle rockets and <laughs> the, the, uh, the guy one of the guys lit the entire pack of bottle rockets threw it up in the air and they just all happened to come down shoot right at the at, at one of the guys and was blowing up at his yep. feet. It was just, it, you couldn't have <laughs> planned it better, and it was so hilarious. Oh, man. Anyway, fireworks. You can feel free to contact us if you like. I'm Denver7Traffic on Twitter. I also I started an Instagram for Denver7Traffic. That's going to be very popular Instagram. You think so? A lot of bad drivers in this city want to see other bad drivers at work. Yes, and I, and I, will po- and I post those. And I like posting pictures there on the Instagram. I, you know, I don't really know how to use, and I keep calling it the Instagram. That's fine. But if I, when, I, when I'm posting things, you, you can't post a whole bunch of stuff like Twitter, can you? Or can you? Well, you can. You're just annoying. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> okay. So what's the rule? Like two or three? I, I mean, I think it's a pretty solid one? rule. Like more than three a day is too many. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I get one or two is good. Though. And don't ask me about Instagram stories because I haven't even tried to use those yet. All right. Well, you're Joseph Denver 7 if you want to be on Twitter. I don't know if you have an Instagram, do you? I do. It's actually just my name, Joseph Peters. Well, there you ha- is it is it fantastic? No. Okay. I did take a picture in front of a unique piece of graffiti over the weekend if anybody wants to check that out. We're also just a tin cup and a string away. Have you ever made a tin cup phone? I mean, ever when do I was that? 9, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I mean, there's no reason my kids I think would ever want to do that. They're because they have the walkie-talkies. Um, that we have the, you know, the FaceTime thing, uh-huh. right? They, they just, there's no reason I think they would ever want to do that kind of stuff. Well, I don't think they, do they have any concept of what a landline is? Oh, we, well, we have a home phone, but it's, it's a wireless deal, yeah. right? But it's, and it's connected to the internet. So I don't have the regular, you know, phone cord. And I was trying to explain to them when I grew up. I had one of those rotary phones, right? Yeah. And our last four digits were 0909. So you have to do the, and if you get it, missed it just a little bit, it's, 
And you messed it up a little bit and you had to redo the whole phone number. It was horrible. It's true. They put those kind of phones on reality shows like the real world where they're attached to a cord and you can't take them out of a certain room. And they do that so that people don't spend the whole day on their phone. Oh, man. If only the world was more like a reality show. It might be a good summer project, though, for the kids to do the the can and string and string and phone thing. That's true. Maybe. All right, so this has to be one of the best headlines I've ever come across. Kangaroo on the loose causes chaos at train station until pub goers catch animal with homemade lasso. Is that how it's pronounced? Lasso? I thought it was lasso, yeah. <laughs> it's not a lasso. Okay. There's nobody I've ever known that would call it a lasso. Okay. <laughs> oh, something right. new every day on the track. The, <laughs> the story continues. A kangaroo on the loose in the Netherlands. Who knew they had kangaroos in the Netherlands? Disrupted train traffic for several hours until it was finally caught with a lasso. Or lasso. <laughs> I've never heard of a wild kangaroo in the Netherlands, really. I mean, is that even possible? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a zoo kangaroo, right? Or some sort of circus kangaroo that just busted out of its cage? Well, the kangaroo was hopping alongside the railroad tracks, which resulted in chaos at several train stations as the trains were canceled altogether because the Dutch National Railways were warning travelers due to a kangaroo near the tracks, trains are having delays. The message shocked commuters who didn't know if the message was for real or for just a joke. After a while, uh, however, the kangaroo hopped away from the rails and into the town. This is where the story gets a little bit weird. Ronald Timmermans saw the kangaroo hopping in front of the local pub and left his drink at the bar to try to catch the animal by calling in the help of his friend. Yeah, Hold my beer. Watch this. As the kangaroo jumped out of Ronald's arm... The friend decided to, quote, make a little noose in a rope, unquote. Within several minutes, the two managed to catch the runaway marsupial. They said it was more luck than wisdom. Two police officers who were called in managed to keep the animal under control until animal ambulance arrived. According to the Provincial Animal Protection Services, the kangaroo was slightly injured but was taken immediate care of by the team. The Animal Protection Services noted the kangaroo had first been sighted around town last Monday. Now, I know, look, there are ranches around Texas where they have some kangaroos. Obviously, they're all around uh, Australia and New Zealand, right? I, I don't think, I, I mean, they're wild. I guess they can go wherever they want, can't they? I mean, we need to get a zoo expert on this show ASAP. I don't know if kangaroos are native to the Netherlands. I don't know if they're native to parts of America, to be honest with you. It's kind of mind-blowing. that's a fantastic story. Isn't it? I mean, a kangaroo in the Netherlands causing well, train traffic delays? Kangaroos punch, right? I mean, well, what do you do I, I if a kangaroo a takes a swing at you? Duck. Punch back. <laughs> you punch back? I saw that. Didn't I'm, you see that? I'm just picturing these two pub goers, like, knocking out this kangaroo and then having to go to court for violent attack on a kangaroo. Didn't you see that video where the guy was, was beating up a kangaroo because it was trying to attack its dog? I did see that. That was great. I mean, you got to protect the dog. It was like that... Uh, that fake bear video where the guy is punching the bear and he was you know doing the bear is giving him the i don't know that one. Oh, okay all right then well speaking of the netherlands they're taking an interesting route to protect their smartphone wielding pedestrians uh they're testing out strips of led lights implanted in the sidewalk right before an intersection so people who are mesmerized by their screens will know when it's safe and unsafe to cross the street because they're too you know 
busy, distracted. Look, anything that prevents me from having to look up anytime, <laughs> I'm all for. Because the sidewalks, what they'll do is they'll light up red or green to correspond when it's safe or unsafe to cross the street. Uh, the thought here is that more and more smartphone zombies, and I'm sure you, you do a little bit of this on your walk over here, right? Yes. They, you have your necks cranked so far down at your screen because you just can't pay attention long enough to anything else to realize that you're about to get crushed by oncoming traffic. I will say that I've never stepped into a street while looking down at my phone. I feel like people are generally smart enough to know that a street is coming and oncoming traffic. And you know, I, we've talked about this, the little bumps in the uh, in those right. crosswalk areas, yep. those are for sight-impaired people to know that you're about to cross from the sidewalk into the street. Right, and if you're looking down at a 45-degree angle, your sight is definitely impaired. Yeah, but you should be able to feel it when you're walking across those bumps. Exactly. As with just about anything, these LED sidewalk lines are being met with some resistance. A Dutch road safety group said that the LED sidewalk rewards bad behavior. That's correct. Yes. Uh, they say that people should always look around them to check if cars are actually stopping at red signals and to see what's going on around them. We should all eat less and exercise more, right? That's also correct. Similar pavement lights are being tested in Germany. They'll probably be here in Denver before too long because guys like you like to just stare at your phone while you're walking. But like maybe if the price is right. No shame in this game, man. If they can get the lights in here tomorrow, I'm not going to complain about it. You know it. what bugs me is when people, are, you can see it even around your workplace. I see it around here. There's one guy that does it all the time. But it, when you're when they're walking down the hallway, they're staring or walking anywhere. They stare straight down at the ground the whole time, and they never they barely. Let's say if they 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 sense somebody's coming at them, they'll look up for a second, but then they'll look straight down at the ground when they're walking. That's my move. Is that all you, you yeah, just I do? Look, do I that, mean, without yeah. without the smartphone, you're just looking straight down. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to elevator etiquette too, right? You, I mean, I feel like we had to have a poster up for a little while that saying "talk to your neighbors" when you're in the elevator to encourage that sort of camaraderie because people would just get in the elevator and not want to talk to anybody. And we all work together. It's not like there's a thousand employees here. You no. could probably get to know everybody on a first name basis pretty quickly. I, I like talking to people in elevators, especially just... random ones. I mean, look, people, just look around. Walk with your head held high. Look around. See the world. Come on. It's not that hard. See the sights. All you people listening right now, wherever you are, if you're walking around, you're driving around, whatever, next time you're walking around, just look. Just look out for all the people. Maybe while you're driving right now and you can see people on a sidewalk, look right now there on the sidewalk and see if people are walking uh, where they're looking straight down at the sidewalk and then only occasionally look up even when they don't have their cell phone right there in their hand. That's, that's one of the only things that really bugged me. Well, so I, I've been running recently. Very proud of myself. And I do it with headphones in. And if my music dies or my phone dies, I just go home. <laughs> and I know I'm not the only one who does that. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. Like the world, first world problems. The world's a lot more interesting when there's music playing. Well, it's also difficult sometimes to find a clean and safe public restroom, right? It's very tough in New York City to find a free one, and if you find a pay one, they're probably not the cleanest option out there. More than likely, you're going to find one that's going to be a bit icky. But we live at a time where we can instantly summon just about anything with our smartphones, Joseph. Surely some enterprising innovator will soon introduce an on-demand clean bathroom service to disrupt the big toilet industry. Big toilet. <laughs> Enter Charmin. The toilet paper company gave New York City 
a taste of toilet freedom with a two-day promotion for Van Gogh. It was a mobile ordering bathroom experience. The press-to-order service sent an on-demand bathroom service, this truck with a bathroom in it, basically, to fulfill the dreams of germaphobic pedestrians with overfilled bladders everywhere. Or at least to the select neighborhoods the van roamed around during its run. So we're at the point where you can order a porta potty on wheels. It's like Uber for bathrooms. That's terrible. Charmin's associate brand director, Janet Yausch, said, quote, At Charmin, we're always looking to bring people the best bathroom experience, both at home and with our tissue, and in new and unexpected ways. With the Van Gogh, we are providing one of the largest, most trafficked cities in the world a new way to enjoy the go on the go, unquote. A guy who tried it said he called the Van Gogh at the corner of Madison Avenue and 23rd Street, but wound up having to meet it at 5th and 22nd because, well, it just couldn't, I guess, get to his neighborhood. Sherman reps told him that it's bound to happen in the busy city with so many people ordering that van. It was just around for two days. I mean, it's like when your Uber driver winds up three blocks from your spot. The interior of the van was pretty cozy. It looked really clean from the pictures I saw. Uh, Just what you would expect from this kind of service. A personalized LED light welcomed people in as they prepared to do what they needed to do. Uh, Reviews mentioned the traffic noise outside was a little off-putting, but it didn't disrupt the flow, if you know what I mean. Afterward, most say their lives were changed forever, saying once you've had your own personal toilet delivered to you at your smartphone's bidding, you won't want to go back to your old life. Look, I I, I really think this could be a viable business model that would work for events downtown weekends festivals during lunch hour during the week i mean really just about any time especially in downtown areas right i mean this is this is brilliant i have no idea how much it would cost per user to charge them if you were going to make any money doing this idea but i I wouldn't think it would cost too much and i think people would be willing to pay for it because on your on your phone when you're not handing over somebody cash and everything is done on the phone like with uber or whatever it, it seems like it's less money when yes. it's, it's it's on your phone, right? Yes. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure this would work in an emergency situation where uh, time is a huge consideration. Uh, I'm not sure if this would get to you fast enough in that kind of a I mean, that's the only situation problem. where it's a worthwhile investment, right? Like, I only want the van go if I need it there in a hurry. And if I need it there in that much of a hurry, I probably don't have enough time to wait for the van go. Well, unless, let's say, it picks you up, and then it has the freedom to drive to the next spot and pick somebody else up, and then drop you off somewhere else. Don't. But that might be a little bit weird, don't you think? It'd be like in an RV where you're driving around and in right. the bathroom. Aren't they supposed to clean it in between, too? Like, isn't that part of the point, is that it's super clean because they have the opportunity to clean the thing out all the well, time? Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe a few people go, and then they clean it out. I mean, would you have to wear a seatbelt if it was going around as you're driving? In there? Wouldn't that be a little bit weird? How would that work? I would not do that. Would you want to? I, you wouldn't want to be in there if it rolled over, that's for sure. <laughs> if it was in a crash? There is a hiking trail with a porta potty out in Littleton. I, uh, I can't think of the name of it right now, but their porta potty has a uh, fence all the way around it, very close quarters, so yeah. that you can't tip the thing over, which I wonder how many times people tipped it over before they got wise to the idea that you could build a fence around it and nobody would ever tip it over. I did tip over a porta potty You're twice. You're a jerk. Well, you, because we were taking it from the construction site it was at, put it in the pa- back of a pickup truck, and then tried to cement it to the front door of the uh, high school for our senior prank. 
So it wasn't while somebody was inside of it. No, no, okay. no, no. There was nobody inside it. But it... Um, it's a good senior prank. It was, it was interesting, to say the least. There was a significant decline in driver fatalities years and years ago, but more recently, over the past few years, more people are dying on the roads, probably because there's more people with a better economy and that sort of thing, right? The common consensus is that more people having more reasons to drive uh, are traveling all these additional miles translate into additional opportunities for crashes. So which vehicles are the most deadly statistically to drive in? As expected, smaller vehicles often are the most dangerous to be in during a crash, but the statistics between individual models vary wildly. The Hyundai Accent sedan is associated with the most driver fatalities. The Hyundai Accent sedan. Not exactly a car that comes to mind for the fast and furious driver, right? The Accent has a ratio of 108 deaths per million registered vehicles. The Accent was followed by the Kia Rio sedan, and Scion TC for most deadly. Again, not cars you would think speedy behavior would be a big problem, so I wonder what's going on there. I mean, you would point to those cars being cheap more than anything else, right? right? Uh, Continuing the list, the Chevy Spark, Nissan Versa, Ford Fiesta, the Kia Soul were also some of the most deadly vehicles. Again, uh, not speed demons, but you said, like you said, pretty cheap. Well, and small, too. I think all those cars fall into the very, very small range. And if you're in one of, like... What was the one we mentioned? The Kia Rio? Yeah. Have you ever been behind the wheel of a Kia Rio? No. You get into a two-car crash with an SUV and a Kia Rio, and that Kia Rio is going to be in rough shape. Those cars are built to be totaled. The vehicles to make the risky list are the Nissan Maxima, the Nissan Sentra, the VW Golf, the Dodge Challenger, the Hyundai Genesis Coupe, Ford Fusion, and Ford Mustang Convertible. Surprisingly, none of the Mustang-related deaths could be attributed to a rollover crash. The same cannot be said for Nissan's four-wheel drive Titan Crew Cab short bed, which had more rollover deaths than any other vehicle on the list, which is odd. It seems like uh, maybe it's just built weird. Well, you don't think a truck's being involved in rollovers too often, especially the Titan's kind of a lower-profile truck, all things considered. Now, according to the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, large all-wheel drive luxury SUVs are the safest vehicles with just six fatalities per million registered vehicles. Luxury sedans and minivans also performed exceedingly well. There were some vehicles that didn't have any fatalities. The Audi Q7 Quattro, the BMW 535i, SI, and iX, the Jeep Cherokee, the Lexus CT200H, I think that's a hybrid, right? The Lexus RX350, the Mazda CX-9, Toyota Tacoma Double Cab 4x4, the Volkswagen Tiguan, or is it Tiguan? Tiguan, Tiguan, yeah. Uh, And the all-wheel drive Mercedes-Benz M-Class all had a ratio of zero. So those are your safest vehicles right there. I don't think those fine folks at uh, Hyundai are going to change their slogan, though. If you want to die in a crash, then drive a Hyundai Accent. They probably don't like their place on the list, either. That's not very catchy. That's not jingleable. Hyundai, what we lack in expense, we make up in death. (laughs) No? (laughs) My in-laws own a Hyundai. They don't own an Accent. They have one of those bigger SUV things. Hyundai, feeling lucky? More screaming than Six Flags. Hyundai. That's a good one. That is a good one. Hyundai, when you want to get all bent out of shape, because you've been in a crash. Roll over, roll over, send Hyundai on over. I could go all day. I hope you had a bell in between each of those. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what I need? 
We need a little bell for you. Maybe I should put the maybe I should insert the rim shot. There you go. And all those. Enough? You think so? All right. Coming up, wouldn't it be nice to have a courtesy horn? A little courtesy horn to say, hey, could you please just get out of the way and not just slam on your horn, right? We'll explain the concept and let you listen to the idea as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. Connor Wist, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. My favorite part is watching the interaction between everyone because I think you guys have a fantastic sense of humor and I think you just jive really well because if you're sitting at home, I'm in my PJs and in my coffee and I want to look up and I want to see these people who I feel like I know on the morning show and they're just talking to me and they're having a great time and they're also telling me what I need to know to be prepared for my day and what I need to know in my community. Connor Wist, only on Denver 7. Denver 7 is the only morning newscast you are guaranteed to get something new every day. Watch the other stations. You're going to see the same stuff. Same reporters out on the same stories. You watch us. We put more resources than any other station into bringing you new stories, relevant stories, new content, fun stories, interesting stories. And so that's my promise to you. If you watch us, you're going to see something you would not see on all those other guys. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast, where you get more entertainment than all recent Manny Pacquiao fights put together. How are you going to do Pac-Man like that, man? Well, it, the last one was terrible. And he lost. And it was on ESPN. Mm-hmm. The upcoming Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor fight should be interesting, though, when it happens later this year. Uh, was it August? Right? Uh, yeah, like it's next month, I believe. Uh, it's not going to be that interesting. It's going to be a lot of Floyd dancing around, making himself look good. Conor McGregor not landing any punches. Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> unanimous really? decision. Oh, yeah. Huh. I, I think McGregor is going to come out being just crazy and unconventional, and Floyd's not going to know what to do. It's going to be like a street fight versus a – because boxing is a controlled, and really it is a mind game, right? It's not right. just you're just fighting two guys just beating each other up. It, really, there it is a sport to it. And I think McGregor just he, – he is, well, obviously nuts, but he street fights. And so obviously he can't kick and he can't punch and he can't bite – Right. I think if you've watched the – I don't know much about boxing. I don't pretend to know much about boxing. All I know is I watch Floyd Mayweather fights, and they're boring. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of him dancing around. It's a lot of him not taking on any, any real damage. It's a lot of neither of them really getting touched. I mean, you don't ever see somebody come out of a Floyd Mayweather fight with a black eye or anything like that because they're just not hitting each other. Yeah. And so if McGregor can break Mayweather out of that mold, that would be fun to watch. But I don't see that happening. And honestly, as long as Floyd Mayweather is still the biggest draw in boxing, it's never going to regain popularity here in the States. It will be. It, it, that one will break records, though, for pay-per-view, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm interested. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so I have to re- read this last email I got to my Driving You Crazy complaint box. It was from YA in Denver. Y.A. says, what's driving you crazy? Traffic. Okay, there's the mailbag segment for this episode. 
right to the point on this person. No confusion in that correspondence. Crystal clear. Man, I mean, that's all it said right there. That's all it said. Traffic. Well, he's right. I mean, what what do I say in response? Yep, I know. Traffic. Sucks, right? Thank you for listening to the Driving a Crazy <laughs> Podcast. We'll see you next week. Maybe I should give CDOT a call and say, I, I have a complaint that came to my inbox here. They want you to do something about the traffic. I probably wouldn't get much of a response from them either. Those are all the calls that they take anyway, right? <laughs> probably. Honestly. Can you do something about this traffic, please? Nope. All right, Tesla, better look out. Chinese startup CHJ Automotive will be releasing its ultra-compact electric car in March of 2018. This model will run on changeable batteries, so it will require little wait time to charge it up. And it should cost, get this, this is where the deal changer is, $8,000. $8,000 for an electric car. That's like a golf cart. That's a little bit more expensive than a golf cart. CHJ is planning to launch two vehicles, which are now in development, a hybrid SUV and an ultra-compact car. The ultra-compact is targeted right now for just the Chinese market, and there are 340 million people who commute daily in China with scooters, so that's where they're thinking the strong demand is going to come from, and where those people want to upgrade to something like this ultra-compact car rather than just having a scooter, because, you know, everybody, when you have a car, you want to put stuff in your car. The as-yet-to-be-named car will be about three feet wide and almost eight feet long. So let's compare that to, let's say, a Toyota Corolla that most people know, right? That is about six feet wide and 15 feet long. So it's half as wide, half as long. So it's an ultra-compact, I would think something like a smart car, but even maybe a little bit more narrow. It's going to have swappable batteries and utilize Google's Android Auto Operation System, the company Plans to offer the car in Europe as well, but only as a ride-sharing vehicle. This ultra-compact car is something we hope to see in America, but right now it seems unlikely. Being shorter and narrower than a smart car, this ultra-compact may be seen as way too small and way too risky to drive among the bigger cars, SUVs, and and large trucks. Like we were talking about the Honda Accent. I mean, all those other cars were pretty little. This is even smaller than a smart car. Um, First of all, I want to say none of the people of size in our audience are going to be able to fit into this smart car. So no, it's not going to make it in America for that (laughs) exact reason. Second, I mean, this thing looks like a death trap on wheels. It's literally, it's, it's a go-kart, Jason. It's not a car. Like it's not a car for a family. You can really only be in there one at a time. I no. keep this thing as far away from me as, as possible. And if that makes me old, so be it. Like, if I'm getting to the point where it, it makes me old-fashioned to want a Toyota Corolla that I can put my two car seats in the back seat and the hockey bags in the trunk and be good to go, like, fine, I'm old school. But I do not want to ride in a car that's a go-kart. Yeah, well, there are going to be some people because in, in a place like Beijing or Hong Kong or any of these super-populated in, in Tokyo where they're super-populated, they're going to want something smaller that they can just zip around traffic in. This is my vision, right? So let's say your typical American family of five. Right. They own one minivan. The husband and wife work off shifts, or only one of them works, so they can have this one little commuter car, this little zip car that drives itself, and yep. it's a little go-kart that gets them to and from work, and then you have the family car for everything else. Yeah, exactly. You could, yeah, exactly. Well, with $8,000, and then you just exchange the batteries all the time, and that's how you charge it up, which is pretty brilliant. I hate it. A- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I hate it. I mean, it makes it, it, makes it perfect for, for places like Mumbai or Tokyo or... Uh, you know, China has 110 cities with a population of more than a million people. 
I mean, that, that's where these tiny, low-performance, cheap electric cars are going to be just a ticket for navigating that thicket of, of urban congestion and parking woes. Beijing is already moving towards replacing their 70,000 taxis with electric cars, and, the, and China has relaxed its protectionist laws to encourage the use of electric vehicles. And the, the availability of an ultra-compact option that's both local and affordable for those people and it charges really without you having to wait because they have rechargeable batteries that are exchanged instead of having to, like me, plug in my, my Volt if I want to have it run on charge. It's really going to do very well in, in those very populated areas like in China and probably do in the other populated areas of the world. Who's going to be the genius in this country that markets these things with a $50 a month lease or a $50 a month Per, uh, sign and drive agreement, right? Because that guy's going to make a ton of money. You can put this thing on an eight-year lease in, or an eight-year um, purchase plan, and people will buy it. Yeah. People are desperate for ultra-low payments. And fifty dollars a month, even for this little piece of junk. I mean, that's, that's a really why good rent deal. a center works so well because people want to go rent a TV for fifteen dollars a week. I can't believe people rent TVs for like fifteen dollars a week. It's so sad, but like there have been many times in my life where I've been like, you know, fifteen dollars a week is a lot more appetizing than actually just buying the thing outright. Because <laughs> if, if it's you... if it's sitting on your credit card for the next seven years, does it really like, make that much of a difference versus paying fifteen dollars a week? You're going to pay the same thing in interest. Uh, anyway. There's a rent a center right next to my bank, and I wonder if they did that on purpose. Probably, probably. <laughs> well, if every car gave us the option of multiple horns to the driver, the roads could be a lot nicer. It could be a much nicer place to drive. One guy took an impressive do-it-yourself project to install three buttons in his car that are connected to three different horn sounds. The one he advocates the most is called, what he calls at least, is the courtesy horn. Here is popular YouTuber Mark Rober who explains why he decided to give his VW Jetta more ways to communicate with other drivers. That is what I call the courtesy honk. I just push this custom button and it's two super quick chirps of the horn that are not only friendly sounding, but it's intentionally not as loud as a normal horn. 1.3 million people die in car crashes per year, so you really want to be able to communicate with other drivers if you want to stay safe. When you think about it, cars only have two built-in ways to communicate with each other. You got your turn signal and your horn. And the turn signal is fine, but the problem with the horn is that it's so one-dimensional. It's like if your only tool is a hammer, it's really good at one thing, but it sucks at everything else. And I don't know about you, but now that pretty much everybody owns a smartphone, 99% of the time I use my horn, I'm not trying to avoid a crash, I'm trying to let the person in front of me know it's time to stop reading that text they just received. And that's the issue. I'm not upset. I just want to be like, hey dude, the light's green, no big deal. And this might come as a surprise, because I drive a Jetta. But I'm not some hardcore, angry, road rage, tough guy. But even this Jetta, which has just about the most emasculating horn possible, sounds angry when you honk it at a light. And if you try and do a nice quick honk, it doesn't usually register because it bottoms out too quick. So I just push my custom-made courtesy honk button. And this works for communicating in a lot of situations, not just at stoplights. Like if someone is just sort of drifting in your lane, you're not sure if they see you or not, but you don't want to use your big horn. Or if you just want to get someone's attention to tell them something. If someone needs to move forward in traffic or in a drive-thru, it's nice. Because you don't want to seem like a jerk as they can look right at you in their rearview mirror. You can even use it as a way to say thank you. And I kind of feel like this should be a standard feature on all cars. So you still have your big horn that you can't miss in the case of an emergency, but there should be a smaller button right over here for the courtesy honk. I also added one more sound effect that's powered by this button. 
This is designed to be even one notch nicer than the courtesy honk if you want to be super chill and grab the attention of a pedestrian who isn't even in a car. So that's my pitch, to make our roads more pleasant by increasing the vocabulary of the standard car horn. And now you can do it yourself. Which leads me to this final button, which is only to be used in extreme situations, like when two teenagers are taking their sweet time to cross the street in front of you while fidget spinning. All right, that was Mark Rober, a popular YouTuber, with uh, his interesting idea about his courtesy horn. My, my Volt has a little, uh, has a second horn sound, too. It's, this is it right here. And it's just three short little honks that's supposed to get the attention of people on the sidewalk because the car is so quiet, it's an electric car. Uh, and so I kind of use it like Mark does in, in his video uh, as a courtesy honk to get people to hey get going so i don't lay on the horn because you can't it's hard to do that with your horn right it's hard to get the double beep in there or the triple beep in there right usually it comes off being too long and kind of rude mm. so that's why i like the uh my, my little one that, that does it all the time it works well i uh i'm not convinced that there's any nice way to honk at somebody like if you need to get somebody else's attention on the road it's not in a nice way and especially like i the only i don't know i just don't see it if i was if i had a truck barreling towards me in a parking lot and it had no signs of stopping i would not lay on the courtesy horn i would no. lay on the real thing well sure but i think that's for the emergency but if you just want the the guy that's ahead of you that's on your on their phone or fiddling with their radio or whatever just hey come on the lights the lights change let's move along i think this this directly correlates to your level of rage as a driver because I know a lot of angry drivers who, if they see somebody on their phone, they do not want to give them the courtesy honk. They want to give them the full-on air horn effect. Yes. Well, it's, and th- that's what I would like to have is one of those air – like the train air horns like he had at the end of his video. Mm-hmm. I, my wife would hate me blasting that thing because I would end up doing it all the time. But having one of those loud, huge train air horns, I, I think it's illegal to do it here, at least in Colorado. It but. should be. And it's awesome. <laughs> don't don't honk the air horn at me because yeah. But even better than that, what I'd rather have is a speaker, and a and a microphone in the car, so I can then talk to the people, either on the sidewalk or in the other cars, and then I could uh, I, I could I I could tell them things. You don't worry about saying the wrong thing to those people. Oh. <laughs> I have no filter. I'm not worried about it, I guess, right? <laughs> I think it'd be very entertaining, and it would it would catch them off guard, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Instead of just doing the courtesy honk or just a regular honk, uh, could you please move out of the way? The light is green now. Again, this directly correlates to your level of rage as a driver. Because <laughs> you could say, could you please move when we're having this conversation right here, but get behind the guy at three separate stop signs where he's been on his phone every single time and you've had to break out the speaker, and I guarantee you there will be some seven-letter words that are not please or thank you. Yeah, probably so. Carl George Carlin back from the grave. And- Amen. Uh, dashboard cameras. I have one. They're undoubtedly uh, spiked in popularity over the last few years, and while they may seem a bit of a novelty to some, they actually have many legitimate uses. I, I've been using mine for about three years. It, the first one failed on me after about a year or so, so I'm on my second one now. And it's been real reliable. I was really always worried about it sitting there, in the, especially on these hot days, sitting there on the uh, dash and just, just roasting in the sun. Right. But it, so far it's been reliable and it's worked pretty well. Um, and, and they do work in Phoenix, too, and some of the other super hot areas, so they've been tested in, in hot zones. Uh, most dash cams are incredibly easy to use. They don't cost much to maintain, making them a practical choice, especially when you consider all the benefits that they'll bring your commute, a road trip, or everyday driving. 
if you need more incentive, here are just five of the reasons that I thought of why dash cams are a great investment. Okay, One, fraud protection. While insurance fraud may be more widespread in Russia, that's why you see so many of these Russian dash cam videos, Mm -hmm. it's still a possibility here in America. It may not happen that often, but the possibility that it could happen should be reason enough to protect yourself. Insurance fraud works largely because the victims have no way of proving that they, in fact, are innocent. Whether it's a pedestrian that's willfully throwing themselves in front of a vehicle, which I've seen on those Russian dash cams, they'll just walk out in the middle of the traffic and either lay down or run up and throw themselves on top of a hood and then even crack the windshield and pretend that they were hit uh, by the vehicle. That happened to me. You know that, right? What? We've talked about that on this podcast, that that's happened to me in the past. And I didn't realize it wasn't my fault when it happened, so I went out, I apologized to the guy. I was like, what happened? He was like, why did you hit me? And I said, I don't know. I didn't see you, because I didn't, because he came out of nowhere. Um, And so he went to the hospital. The only injury that he had that was visible was a cut on his finger, but he was trying to collect, saying that he was having neck pain and stuff like that. And so I didn't... I just assumed it was my fault, and thank God I had insurance because they were covering it. Well, two years later, my father, whose name was on the policy, gets a call from a private investigator who was investigating the guy for insurance fraud. Whoa. And he wanted the full-on interview to find out exactly how the crash had happened. And so when I told him, I was like, you know, I didn't even see the guy coming. I was looking. I took a quick left because I was at a stop sign, and I went to pull through, and just bam, he was right there. And, uh, yeah, the guy was like, yeah, that's the dude's MO. Like, that's just what he does. See, I, I, yeah, if you're doing it multiple times, you're going to get caught, I would think. Uh, you would think. But, I mean, I, you know, some of these guys, they don't they don't care that they're going to get caught eventually. They just know that there's money in it in the short term. Well, yeah, uh, exactly. But you, if you had a dash cam at that time, you would have been able to clear it up easily. Exactly. And then if you said, hey, I have the dash cam, let's go back and look at the video, the guy probably would have go, got up and, and either walked away or run away. Yep. I would have thought. Absolutely. Well, and it was, <laughs> I was in college, and it was right in front of the college gym, and so all these like fit people coming out of my college gym that I was also classmates right. with are staring at me like <laughs> you what have you done so. well all these different scenarios like you were just mentioning uh, wh- whether it's uh, and I've seen this too where some cars have been they've been in stop and go traffic and then the guy in the front just all of a sudden gets in reverse and then slams the driver right behind them and then right. claims hey you ran into me and you would be able to disprove that with a dash cam. Exactly. Um, any kind of traffic accidents, anything like that. It's, it's a lot better to have more evidence than less evidence in those kind of situations. Absolutely. All right, number two, proof of accidents. One of the best reasons to install a dash cam in your car, and perhaps one of the most popular, is to record evidence of crashes and accidents when they happen. Dash cams can be incredibly useful when trying to prove who is at fault for an accident, and not all insurance companies will accept the dash cam recording as conclusive evidence, but if an insurance claim uh, becomes a dispute, or let's say, like in your case, they come back years later and want some of that video, then at least you would have it. The more evidence you have, the better. And similarly, dash cams can be uh, great for catching parking accidents, too. Uh, you, you can set one or a, a few, you, you can, you, if you have them in your car, mm-hmm. you can have the one in the back and the front. And they can record you. If you have it hooked up where it's always powered on, if somebody bumps your car, it will pop on. It's a motion detector deal, right? So this one, if somebody bumps the car, it will actually come on. Now, mine won't do that because it's plugged into the cigarette lighter, so it just turns off after I turn off the car. But if you had that, you can 
get parking crashes, that sort of thing. Um, you can easily spot and identify hit and run driver if they sideswipe your vehicle in that kind of a situation, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. If you have that, if you have the dash cam. Uh, here's number three: keep an eye on people, especially kids who drive your car. Dash cams come handy if you want to keep an eye on inexperienced drivers, senior drivers, or people who shouldn't be driving in the first place. If your teenager wants to start driving on their own. You can use a dash cam and take that footage and, let's say, take the dash cam out, review the footage and review the video with your teen and and see how they're driving while they're driving by themselves. And then maybe you can make them safer on the road and uh, give them some pointers or chew them out. Well, you could also take it one step further and place a second camera pointed directly at the driver's seat so that you could see if they took their eyes off the wheel to look at their phone or spent too much time fiddling with the radio or were eating a sandwich behind the wheel or trying to put on makeup or any of those things. As I've already told my wife, we're going to do that to our daughter's vehicles when they become of age because I I have a kid who's just about to turn nine, and so we're talking five, six years before she's going to really start driving, 15, 16. I mean, come on. I don't even have kids, and now that we're having this conversation, I'm prepared to do this to them. And and you really can do the same thing for for elderly drivers because some of them – not that they're distracted, but they obviously start slowing down in their reaction um, times. And if your dash cam is set automatically to turn on with your car like mine is, you can easily spot if someone is driving your vehicle when they shouldn't be. Or if, like, let's say your, your kids took the car by when they shouldn't have or whatever. But my kids are going to have GPS anyway. Well, even if it's somebody stealing your car, by the time they knock out the camera, like just slap it or whatever right. to take it off of them, you'll have enough of their face to be able to figure out who it is. You can also use it, number four, to document road trips or driving skills. I did this when I went to uh, Wyoming and up to South Dakota and to Mount Rushmore. It was great. Beyond the obvious safety reasons, of course, there are some pretty cool benefits of having a dash cam, including the ability to make awesome videos of road trips or to just show off your driving skills. Even if you never plan on showing the video off to anybody or uploading the, the trip to, video, to let's say, YouTube or uh, up to social media, recording the adventure is an easy way to create a nostalgic home movie that you can revisit with your friends and family later on and look back at those times. You can easily create stunning videos of your trip, especially if you time-lapse the recording. Like I have coming into work on uh, a snowy drive, I will record my drive for the half an hour, 40 minutes, and then I take that and I speed it up like four or eight times speed, and then post it to my uh, Facebook page, and, and people love it. Yep. Number five, capture the unexpected. And this is my favorite reason I have my dash cam. There is no denying that much of the footage will be rather mundane, and it really is. However, since it's on all the time, when something unusual happens, you're going to have it on tape. And I have seen a lot of unusual things on my drives. Uh, I, I, do I need to say anything other than these, these three words, really? Russian dash cams. I mean, you see all these crazy things happening all the time because their cameras are on all the time. Whether it's a tank rolling across the highway, a fighter jet doing a flyby, a giant meteor blazing across the sky. There's no way you would capture any of that stuff if you were relying on just recording your with your cell phone, right? Right. Because there's always the opportunity to record these ca- these once-in-a-lifetime situations. If it's always on, then you're always going to be able to record these once-in-a-lifetime scenarios. And it can happen anywhere. The, the only reason so many of these videos originate in Russia is the dash cams are incred- incredibly popular with all that insurance fraud we talked about. And just the other day, I saw that. Remember, there was uh, we were talking about the funeral procession last time, right? I mean, before I I knew what was happening, 
there was this driver, this white car that uh, had the flashing lights pulled out in front of me, and it was a funeral procession that was going right by, and I wouldn't have been, I didn't have enough time to to see what was happening and to grab my phone and then start recording. So it was nice to have the dash cam so I knew I could go back and say, look what just happened to me today. Right. It was really it was really great. The problem is that sometimes this stuff can go one step too far, right? Uh, I we uh, on ABC Denver Seven's uh, station. We just did an entire 2020 about road rage drivers, and this one guy in particular, I his name was like Captain Avenger or something it, like that. Uh, no, I, I wanted to talk about that guy. It was oh, I can't think of his his real name's Devin Jones, right? And he's a YouTuber, and he came to fame because he would ride around on his motorcycle with his helmet cam, and he would confront people about their driving mistakes, right? And there was one video where he got into it with a guy at a Walmart. I, do you know where that Walmart was? I assume somewhere in Aurora. Stapleton. Stapleton. And they went, he went up punching the guy in the face, right? And the guy fell over, and it was this big deal, and it was seen millions of times. What, what were your comments on him? Because I, I have a few of my own. But. I actually was looking for that guy because I wanted to get him on the show. And his YouTube account, Instagram account, Twitter, every social media account that he had – are all turned off. They're all gone. I'm glad we're talking about this because I had mentioned this at one of our editorial meetings on Monday. He's just gone. Yeah, and, completely and you, gone. You have to assume that it's a, at least in part because of this 2020 story because all that stuff was online recently within the past 12 months. Yes, and he was interviewed by the 2020 reporter. And I, I maybe you know differently, but I did not hear word one of this happening, this this investigation or any of it happening before I saw it air on Friday. Um, I did know that it was happening. I wouldn't have known as much about it if I had been here on Friday. I had Friday off, but I know that they were aware. I mean, before, that it was let's happening. say months ago when they were doing this invest when they were doing it, because it was it was shot sometime in the late winter. Correct. I was not aware of it happening either. I don't know if people higher up than us were, though, to yeah. be honest with you, because I know there was a lot of complaining here because a lot of the stuff that they covered was lifted directly from things that we as a station had done. Right. Exactly. And they used our helicopter video several times. Um, or maybe they had their own uh, drone video or other helicopter video, but they definitely had aerial shots. Yes. Um, and they rode along with the state patrol. And I, I know they went from Golden all the way down to Castle Rock, and they were patrolling down around Castle Rock and down that section of I-25 um, and caught some you know, people doing bad things, and, and they exposed all that stuff. But, but going back to this Devin character, what he would do is he'd have a camera on his head, on his helmet, and you'll see a lot of that. And he'll get into fights, or he'll get he'll be he'll basically instigate a fight because he's been seeing people do bad driving. In the instance where he got into the fight at the Walmart parking lot, he saw he was driving by a park on his little scooter on his motorcycle, and somebody passed him and was going very fast in his car. And so this guy thought, "All right, well, this is it's on," and he starts starts taking off. And I thought pretty interestingly. When he was at, over there at the Walmart parking lot trying to find this guy, he kept doing this circle in this dirt lot. Mm-hmm. And he and you could hear him breathing heavy, like he was getting all amped up, like w- almost like, what am I doing? I'm about to be in this confrontation. At that point, he should have thought, let's call this off. We, I shouldn't do this anymore. Uh, maybe I should just report it to the police and move on. But he decided to escalate it, goes, finds this guy where he parked, parks right next to him, and then uh, obviously starts getting into this fight. And there was not going to be a winner in this. Well, he won. I mean, he got the media attention, and that was what he was looking for. Yeah, you know, and and at some point, you know, you don't want to say too much about the guy without him being here to defend himself. 
But at a certain point, you've got to think that he was seeking the media attention, so he got what he wanted, and there were some unintended consequences as well. Exactly. And so I, I haven't seen all the other parts of the entire show. I, saw, I definitely was watching that one. Um, and, uh, but I, and I wanted to, fi- to find him to yeah. get him on the show. And I, I'm well, there's sure... a standing invitation now if he's listening. Yes. Uh, yeah, because he can just obviously contact us, and, yeah. and we'd love to have him on. Uh, but going back to the whole why the reasons to, to own a dash cam, it's not just to see those, like me, the, for the funeral procession. I, I remember seeing a, a, a hawk flying with some kind of critter that it had in its claws right across the windshield. It's just these kind of situations. You never know when they're, they're going to happen. Um, it, it, it's, I remember I was driving down I-25, and there was a piece of metal I just could not avoid and I, I saw it. I went back on the dash cam and I saw it, and I could hear the thud. And it actually poked a hole in the wet reservoir that holds the washer fluid. And so I had to get that replaced, that's a couple hundred dollars. Just... Yeah, but at least I could go back and see it. But you never know what's going to happen. And that's that's another reason to have these dash cams. And if let's say there was some vigilante that wanted to start something, at least you have some video evidence that will help protect you in those kind of scenarios. Absolutely. I mean, anything and, and everything can happen on the roads, and when it's rolling all the time, at least you don't have to worry about getting your phone out and starting to record. Because that's so difficult, I think, to know the re- to reflexively grab the cell phone, and here we go. And that guy, that Devin guy, I remember the one video that I definitely recall him doing. He was he was over there at 20th and I-25. He was going to try to get onto the highway, I guess. And he was right behind an unmarked, I think it was an unmarked policeman. And so he honks because he could see the driver in his car. And it was looked like he was either on his phone or on the, on the computer there. Correct. And so he honked at that driver. Well, he didn't know that it was a cop, so the cop gets perturbed gets out of his car and starts yelling at Devin and, and then Devin's kind of starts yelling back at him a little bit but doesn't really press the issue too much because he can realize right there it's a it's a uniform policeman well it didn't press him too much but it was a six minute affair that conversation yes. and that was one intersection or one turn lane that was blocked off for six minutes while they had this conversation and and nothing really came of it and and but again Devin was you know instigating to an a confrontation. Well, yeah, I mean, and he even he even pretty much admitted that during the interview that he that he likes these confrontations. It was a very he, telling interview. He's a, he's an ex military guy, army guy, and it looks like he wanted the attention. He, you know, there there's certain people that like that kind of attention, uh, the confrontation attention, and and he seems like he's one of them. We don't want to go too far without him being here to defend yeah. himself. Again, standing invitation if he ever wants to come on. Now, if you've decided that you want to purchase a dash cam, the next step is actually narrowing down which one to get. Of course, there are a ton of different options. If you look on Amazon, there's a, a bunch of them out there that you can get. Uh, really, there's so many that are, uh, are great, and there are so many that are cheap and so many that are super expensive. I have this one. It's the Rexing V1 dash cam. Rexing V1. It gets four and a half stars from Amazon. It hangs on the windshield at this angle, and it, it, for me, it works great. It records nice video in the day and the night. Not the sharpest, uh, but it's really good enough for me to show it on air when we when I want to. I have it set to record little three-minute clips. You can get them usually either one or three or five-minute clips, and then it keeps doing that until the memory card is full, and then it records over the oldest clip. So I have a 32-gig card in there. And I get almost a week of commuting before it starts recording over the old stuff. So there's plenty of time to get what I need off that card. Now, it cost me about 100 bucks, and I thought that was pretty reasonable. Uh, the more expensive ones are going to have a little bit better video quality. There's some cheaper ones. 
but if you wanted to use it just for protection or just in case scenarios, then, you know, 100 bucks uh, for a camera is a pretty good option. Uh, I have it so it gets power from the plug-in on the top of my dashboard. There's a little uh, plug right there, one of those cigarette lighter things, right? I guess well, they don't have cigarette lighters anymore, do they? They have the auxiliary power. It's a shame, too. I used to smoke so many cigarettes in the car. <laughs> so when I turn on the car, it turns on, and when I turn off the car, it turns off. And that's the way most people set it up. Some people also have a rear camera attached, or they'll hook it up so it's powered all the time through the battery, but I don't, I don't have that. There are times I wish I had a, a rear camera, but I don't. Um, it's really, since I have this hatchback, because the Volt is kind of a hatchback, I don't think the backup ca- the back camera would really work. Okay. Um, it isn't easy to install as it would be in a regular car with regular black uh, a regular back window that never opens. One video I really like to put together is those time lapses, um, and and those are my fun, most fun videos that I that I enjoy. All I do is I use that free Microsoft Movie Maker program, and I do some simple editing, speed up the video, normally take up 30 or 40-minute commute and put it down to two minutes. Pretty neat effect. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you this, I'll never drive without a dash cam again. Not in my car. I've been trying to convince my wife to get one. She's not interested. When I get a car, guarantee you I'll have one. Oh, yeah. No, they are fantastic. And, and there are so many good options out there. And for a couple hundred bucks, even the one that I got, the $100 one, it works great. And it's not that conspicuous. You can't really... Because uh, I have it tucked behind the mirror, so you can't really see it. it. Right? Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's easy for me to get it off and on the the dash there. Um, but it's for me, it's definitely worth the money. Anyway, I definitely wish we could get that Devin guy on the show. I wanted to talk more to him. Amen. And isn't it interesting though? I thought it really telling though that he deleted all of his accounts because he was making money on his YouTube page. That's how even they said in the piece. How he made his money was from YouTube videos. Don't give our competition any story ideas, Jason. <laughs> That's how he was making it's money. Not, it's not that interesting. Uh, wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. All right. Well, that about does it for this episode. We appreciate you listening, sharing your feedback with us at Denver7Travic at Joseph Denver 7 And on Instagram and on whatever gram and, and on whatever. Snapchat. Snap, no, I don't snap nor chat. All right. I don't do either one. Uh, it'd be nice to get some comments, though. If you're listening on iTunes, put a couple of nice comments in there. Send so, checks. One, yeah. two, three, Spear Boulevard. <laughs> yeah, we're still waiting on those checks to roll in for all our brilliant ideas that we shared with you. Anyway, thanks again for uh, listening. And until next time, I'm the traffic guy, Jason Luber. I'm pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.